0: Hello and welcome to PW Kids Cast, the children's book podcast from Publishers Weekly. In each episode, we speak with authors and illustrators creating books for children and teens. I'm Emma Cantor, Associate Children's Book Editor at Publishers Weekly. Today, I'm speaking with author-illustrator Ryan T. Higgins about his new picture book, We Don't Eat Our Classmates. The book is due out in June from Disney Hyperion, which is sponsoring this podcast. Ryan is the best-selling author of Mother Bruce, winner of the E.B. White Read-Aloud Award, and the Ezra Jack Keats New Illustrator Honor. In We Don't Eat Our Classmates, a T-Rex named Penelope is excited about her first day of school. But when she discovers that her classmates are human, she finds it very difficult to resist the urge to devour them. Thanks for speaking with me, Ryan.
1: Oh, thanks for having me.
0: So first day of school jitters and the desire to fit in are very relatable concerns for kids. What inspired you to make your anxious heroine a dinosaur?
1: Well, a lot of that story kind of came when I was doing a school presentation. And I was just sort of making up a story on the spot about, uh, I think I was talking to kindergartners at the time. And I was just talking about, you know, first day of school problems. and, And I just kind of came up with this dinosaur. Originally, his name was Timothy, um, but then during the editing process and rewriting it, we changed it to Penelope. Um, I, I think having a character that could eat kids, but not actually, you know, is big enough to sort of swallow them, but not actually eat them. You know what I mean? Like she has a big enough head, and she's big enough so that she could pack a bunch of kids in there without actually, you know, having. The violence of chewing them up. So in the story, she spits them out in one of the first scenes. So I think having a dinosaur that was kind of big enough to be able to do that without chewing them seemed pretty important too.
0: A fine distinction. <laughs> so what methods and materials did you use to create the illustrations?
1: So I work mostly digitally. I have a couple of digital paint brushes um, that are supposed to look kind of organic. Um, and I I paint with that stuff. And when I'm partway through the illustration process, I do an overlay of some textures that I make on sanded clay board. So it's kind of like a board that's painted white and then black clay is put on top of it. And what I do is I sand it and throw ink on it and make interesting textures. And I just overlay that on top of my drawing. So it gives it more of an organic look, but other than just sanding those boards up, everything's done on the computer.
0: And if I'm not mistaken, I think I spotted a shout out to your editor, Rotem Moscovich in one of the spreads. Is that right?
1: Yeah. Um, if you, uh, She's actually one of the kids in the classroom. She sent me some pictures of her when she was, I think she was like five or six or so. So I, I just, I added my editor. She's one of the characters in the book. Also, both of my kids are in the classroom and uh, my wife is the teacher.
0: Oh, how sweet. Yeah. How did you and Rotem go about refining both the text and artwork for the book?
1: A lot of it's just sort of a, a back and forth kind of thing where I'll I come up with an idea, I send it to her, we tweak it, and then she sends me some notes. And um, she kind of gives me a lot of free reign with, um, instead of saying I need to change something, she says, I like this and I see what you're going for with this. But I wonder if you could add an element here or there. Um, and a lot of it is just sort of her nudging me in the right direction. And that's true for the artwork as, as with the writing. I know one, one challenge we had with this book was making Penelope, that's the, the T-Rex, the main character, making her more relatable than the children because we didn't want kids who were reading this book to relate to the children more than Penelope because The children kind of get eaten, you know, so if you look at the kids, they've got little dots for eyes and they're a little more cartoony, whereas Penelope is a little more realistic. So I want kids when they're reading it to think of themselves and put themselves in Penelope's shoes. And I think that'll keep the book from being too scary because I don't want kids to think, you know, they might get eaten on their first day of school.
0: Yes, school is scary enough.
1: Sure, right.
0: You mentioned that a classroom visit was in part the inspiration for this book. Will you be touring for We Don't Eat Our Classmates?
1: Yeah, a little bit. Um, This book comes out in the summertime, so most schools won't be in session right when it comes out. But I'll be doing a few school visits here and there. I think probably early in the school year, not very many. Um, I might try to sneak one or two in at the very end of the school year. I'll be doing a few local bookstores, but not a ton of touring with this one. In the fall, I have another book coming out. It's another one of my my Bruce books. And I'll be doing a big tour in the fall with that. And I'll probably talk a little bit about Penelope. Uh, and we don't need our classmates when I'm out on the road for that one.
0: Speaking of Bruce, how did the idea for that character of the grumpy bear with a soft spot come about?
1: Yeah, that one, I get asked that a lot. And um, I've given a lot of different answers. And I think all of them are a little bit right. Um, I I think what I've honed in on is uh, he's very loosely based on my lovable grump of a grandfather and also a little bit based on my tendency to wind up with orphaned animals that need to be taken care of. So I kind of combined those two things and, and made, you know, this grumpy character who winds up getting more animals to take care of or more, more, I guess, children sort of to take care of.
0: And you mentioned that you're working on a new adventure for him.
1: Yeah. Um, I think I'm allowed to talk about it. It's already posted online. So it's called Santa Bruce. It's a book where Bruce gets mistaken as Santa Claus by a couple of the young animals in the forest. And so a a bunch of sort of like kid animals wind up showing up at his house and sitting on his lap and telling them, telling Bruce what they want for Christmas. And then he gets sort of roped into delivering presents by uh, by his family. And so it sort of follows him as he, um, has all these misadventures trying to deliver presents and he's very grumpy about it. And, you know, even though he's grumpy, he brings a lot of cheer to the forest and it's just sort of typical Bruce fashion where he's grumpy, but, um, he, he takes care of others and makes them happy.
0: Humor, both visual and verbal seems to be a common thread in your stories. Who are some of your comedic and artistic influences?
1: Well, a lot of my influences are from comic strips, so um, comic strips like Calvin and Hobbes or Pogo, which was a comic in the 50s and 60s. And then another comic called Crazy Cat, which was more in the early 1900s through the like, 1930s and 40s. Um, so I, I, I draw a lot of my influence, um, both artistically and um, writing style from, from comic strips. Um, also a lot from Disney animated films. So like uh, a big one for me is Disney's Robin Hood, you know, the one with the fox, that one played a big role in, in more, I suppose, I mean, some in my uh, writing skills, but more in my character design and my attention to facial expressions and stuff like that.
0: And what initially inspired you to pursue work in picture books?
1: So that it's sort of a long kind of convoluted story. Uh, it, so it started out I wanted to make comic strips, but what, uh, that was what I wanted to be when I grew up from, I think I was probably five or six years old. I wanted to grow up to make comic strips for newspapers. And that was, that was my goal all the way up until late high school when I started to realize that that's a pretty tough job to get into. I I don't know how many people get a syndicated comic strip every year, but it's just a small handful. So I realized that wasn't really a, a likely job. So I wanted a backup job. And my backup job, I wanted to be an, a, a field biologist. So I kind of changed gears towards the end of high school and went to college and I studied ecology. And for a few years, I thought that was going to be my job. So I was I was going to college and studying things like environmental sciences, animal behavior, evolutionary ecology. And partway through my college years, my one of my professors pulled me aside and he told me that... He really loved reading my research papers, but they weren't supposed to be funny. And he knew that I had this passion for storytelling and for art. And he, he really pushed me to pursue that. So I kind of changed my um, college uh, studies. And the last two years, I studied writing and art. And during that process, I started looking at picture books. And it, was, it wasn't until my senior year that I really, it really clicked for me the um there's a lot in common between comic strips and and picture books so it was just i was just finishing college when i that was when i decided i wanted to to do kids books and the last term of my college uh the college i went to had, you had to uh do a internship um in order to graduate and so i wound up Getting this great gig being an apprentice for one of the cartoonists that used to do the Ninja Turtle comics. Do you remember those from the I think like the 90s? Definitely. Yeah. So, anyways, I wound up working with one of the cartoonists who did the Ninja Turtle comic books. And that was great. I just made comic strips uh for a local newspaper, and I just I would meet with him and we would talk about cartoons and talk about books. And at the time, he was making a children's book. And he came from self-publishing. So the Ninja Turtles were all self-published. The, the comics were self-published comics. And so he was just using all of his knowledge from the self-publishing industry for comic books and translated that over to picture books. And so he was doing self-published picture books. So when I finished college and I had um, kind of sat with him and worked with him while he was working on his self-published stuff. I thought that would be the route that I would go in. So I didn't even pursue any traditional publishers for a few years. I only did self-publishing and I I would make a picture book over the summer. And then I would spend the school year driving all around the country, visiting schools and selling books out of the trunk of my car. And after a few years of doing that and doing, I think I did 300 school visits or something. It was, it was a lot. Um, but I, I found that I was on the road selling books more than making books. So after a while of that and getting kind of burnt out from school visits, I decided to pursue, um, getting a traditional publisher.
0: And do you have any interest in branching out of the picture book format in the future? Maybe with an original comic?
1: I would love to, um, right now I'm pretty happy with the, uh, with doing picture books, uh, because I feel like with picture books, you come up with one funny premise. And then that gets you, you know. I do two picture books a year, so that gives me about six months. I only have to come up with one good idea every six months. Whereas with a comic strip, you have to do, you know, a good idea every day. So I am not sure if I actually have the uh, capabilities to to do that. But someday I might like to do like a, I don't know, maybe a graphic novel or something where where I could do sort of a comic form. But my attention span is very short, so trouble with graphic novels is. You know, each page has, it can have up to like 12 panels on it, which is basically 12 illustrations. And I, I have a hard enough time doing 32 illustrations, but maybe someday I, I would like, it's a goal of mine.
0: You mentioned earlier that you have a fondness for taking in orphaned animals. <laughs> yes. Do you have a lot of pets at home?
1: I do have a lot of pets. I also worked at a wildlife rehabilitation center for a few summers and through college so i i wound up nursing a lot of you know like baby raccoons and baby squirrels and injured crows and and mice and stuff like that um so yeah i i people in my neighborhood sort of identify me as uh, somebody who who can take care of animals so if they find like an injured animal they i ultimately they bring it to me i don't know how many like little baby mice people have brought me and i you know wind up bottle feeding these tiny little mice and some of the pets we have were Rescued animals. I'm actually looking at my dog right now. She came from the side of a highway when we were moving across the country. She was sitting on the side of a highway when we, uh, somewhere in Indiana. I forget where. And we have a tortoise who was partially paralyzed by some birds who were eating her when I found her. And um, yeah, a lot of our animals are rescues.
0: What is your studio setup like? Is it connected to the menagerie? Um, well, there's no dog
1: doors. I was going to make a dog door, but uh, that was that kind of uh, affects the heating and cooling um, aspect. I have a, a studio in my backyard. I built a little cabin in my backyard. And um, we live in Maine where the winters are really cold. So I had to um, really focus on insulation. But I mean, the dogs come and go. I've got, um, I have a couple dog beds in here and, um, I don't really bring anybody else out with me, but the dogs will come and sit with me while I work.
0: Well, congratulations on the book. And thanks so much for taking the time to talk to me. Oh, well,
1: thank you very much for having me on. This is, uh, this is lots of fun.
0: Once again, I've been speaking with Ryan T Higgins, whose new picture book, We Don't Eat Our Classmates is out in June from Disney Hyperion. Thank you for listening to PW Kids Cast.